Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is with the first pick the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 97. Shout out to Simeon Rice. Remember him, Rick? I do. You pretty good. The uh, fighting Illini. You got it. Third overall pick back in 1996. Had 120, 20, 122 career sacks. That, of course, is Rick Spielman. I'm Ryan Wilson. And it's a special Wednesday edition of Popper Drop where we talk about our favorite quarterback, Jaden Daniels. Had another big week this time against Florida. And we'll get to that in a second. My goodness. Rick and I did a HQ spotlight on Tuesday. And Rick, I've never heard you gush so much about a, a fine young gentleman as you did about Jaden, who in recent weeks we started to talk about more. And uh, he looks like he's uh, he's had cut himself a season in terms of his NFL draft prospects. Yeah. And the way he's been playing and just talking about a kid from if you watched him at Arizona State and then watched him uh, last year at LSU. He is one of the kids, regardless of a position, that made probably the most significant jump. You always see a couple of these guys uh, during the year that make a significant jump. Uh, I'm not saying he's Joe Burrow, but I remember Joe Burrow. He was an afterthought going into that year. Next thing, he ended up being the number one overall pick. So I'm not saying Jaden Daniels is going to be the number one overall pick, but he's made a significant jump, and it's showing up on tape. Yeah, the thing about Joe Burrow, we talked to him at the Combine after that great year at LSU when it was clear that he was going to be one of the first players, if not the first player taken, is that he said mentally at Ohio State, I'm where I'm at now, but physically I wasn't. I needed to grow into my body and have my body catch up with my brain, and that certainly happened at LSU. And that, and you talked about this before. Experience in college is a real thing. It, it helps you develop mentally, both mentally and physically, and I think we're seeing that with Jaden Daniels, who's always probably been the fastest kid in his class. Now he's he's playing like one of the best quarterbacks uh, in this draft class. Uh, we'll also highlight five of the college players nominated by you guys in the five star reviews. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll talk about I'll explain that in a second. And like we always do, Rick, we'll look at the rookie QE performances from this past Sunday and rank our top five NFL rookies from week 11. By the way, Rick, one of the reasons we pushed back our Tuesday show to Wednesday is I talked to your guy, Will Anderson Jr., for a few minutes on Tuesday, and we'll give you a little preview of that later in the show. That's called a tease, Mr. Rick. Okay, uh, I got it. I, yeah. I, I listened to Debo's seminar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 1999, you can listen to Debo's seminar too. Just send the check to Rick Spielman and he'll make sure you get the videotape. <laughs> uh, and then we'll wrap things up by looking at the updated draft order because things are getting interesting in the top 10 there, Rick. But before we get going, 
like we always do. If you're watching us on YouTube at NFL and CBS, you can see on the official with the first pick draft countdown board. Where are we at, Rick? Well, we're at 162 days until the 2024 NFL draft and 62 days until I can actually be honest with Ryan Wilson on this podcast. You know, it'd be funny if like your wife had one of these boards around the house and she's 62 days until I can tell Rick what I'm really thinking, but I'll be nice to Rick for 62 more days. That, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> you waste your money on putting up a, uh, the, the uh, fine draft board countdown that's used on the, with the first pick podcast. Just save my Amazon money and, and put it towards something else is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. And maybe we can get a sponsor that can give us a, a really fancy draft board. Yeah. Yeah. Look into that Debo. You got nothing else to do. Like you don't, who, want to be a sellout. don't be a sellout like this works perfectly fine that's true also Rick. We're, we're you know we're a, an upstart we don't need to move into the big offices and the next thing you know we can't pay our rent and then we got to be doing the podcast from the street corner you it's just save like money for your trip to eugene oregon to check out bo nicks Ooh. Ooh. oh geez. all right Debo sounds like the responsible parent all of a sudden what world yeah. are we living in yeah. all right so uh, i mentioned it earlier rick our five-star review process if you don't know what it means is this simple Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Nominate FBS or FCS college player who is draft eligible, and we'll evaluate his draft prospects and upcoming shows. So we're going to hit a handful of those guys today. And finally, if you like what we do here, be sure to tell a friend. If one of your buddies has a team that's no good and they're already thinking about the 2024 NFL draft, this is the show for them. And if you don't mind while you're at it, take a second hit the old thumbs up on YouTube at NFL on CBS. It's another way to help us grow the podcast and spread the word around the world, Rick. All right, let's do it. Let's get to it. What's Debo got first? Oh, how about that? We're talking about our buddy Jaden Daniels. Uh, 17 to 26 doesn't jump out at you, but the 372 passing yards does, the three touchdowns do, and the 12 yards and 234, excuse me, 12 rushes for 234 rushing yards and two more touchdowns also get your attention. We knew he could run Jaden Daniels. We talked about that last week in terms of the Alabama game, but he took over this game from start to finish, and you and I were chatting yesterday. If you don't get a hand on him after the first three or four yards, you might as well just walk to the sidelines and save your energy because he's going to end up in the end zone. Yeah, no, it was a fun game to watch. He missed a couple throws. Uh, you know, not always consistent on the back shoulder throws down the field, but he can throw the ball. Um, I don't have any questions with his accuracy. Much more accurate than he has been through most of his career. He can still let put those darts down the field and give those – Receivers, especially neighbors, who is climbing Ooh, up weak. my board uh, as the number two receiver right now, although I don't have a board because I'm not contractually <laughs> obligated to make a board or a mock draft. A mental board. <laughs> In my mental mind. Um, and, you know, the, I poked a little few holes in his red zone throws. I thought he could be a little bit more efficient there. Um, but when he scrambles, and I said this a little bit yesterday. It's like when you were back in kindergarten and you had your kindergarten teacher and he was a high, great high school athlete, but didn't play in college and <laughs> thought he was an NFL prospect. And he's out there dodging the kindergartners when they're playing tag. Uh, this is what Jane Daniels looked like running through the defense of the Florida Gators. I mean, his speed, his athleticism, his vision as a runner, and yeah, and I said this—he's starting to look more and more a little bit like uh, Lamar Jackson 
to me. The more you watch him throw, the more you watch him move and the ability to make plays with his legs. I wonder if you're a victim of Stockholm syndrome where I just keep saying things over and over again. And you start to agree with it, even though you don't know you're agreeing with it. Cause I, I mentioned Lamar hesitantly last week and you didn't bite my head off. So we're making progress, Rick, at least for 62 more days. Yeah. Well, that would be at what, well, how many 62 days. Yeah. I, I, I really respect that you somehow came up with that comparison. It's very good. Blind squirrel on that one. Debo has a graphic on, if you're listening to us on YouTube, 300 passing yards and 200 rush yards in a game in FBS history. Jaden Daniels, of course, did it in the game we're talking about. 2021 Malik Cunningham did the same thing at Louisville. He's now with the uh, Patriots. And Marcus Tuasi uh, Sopo. Tuasi Sopo. That's it. There we go. 1999 for the Huskies. Actually saw him play a game against the University of Arizona Wildcats in Tucson 20-something years ago, and they carved that team up. That might have been the game for all I know because that Arizona team was not very good. Um, you mentioned missing a few of the, the throws, and I actually made note of one. Uh, he had um, – I think he had a tight end like on a switch. Really. Yeah, right down the, the, right the sideline on the yeah. right side. Yeah. And I watched it the first time. I thought he caught it. And I was like, wait a second. They're all walking back to the huddle. And he, he missed them probably by maybe a foot, maybe a little less than that. But those are the throws you want to hit. Uh, but other than that, there, there's a lot to like. I thought he threw with a little bit more anticipation in this game. And that's one of the things I was talking about before. And, of course, we know what he can do with his legs. All right, Rick, we'll revisit the question. QB, what number for you after Drake and or Caleb? Uh, I am moving him up on my uh, mental board. Mental board. Uh Right now, I would put him at uh, QB3. Yep, our, our worlds are colliding, Rick, because of my latest mock draft, which came out uh, Tuesday on CBSSports.com. I had Jaden Daniels going 16th overall to the Las Vegas Raiders. He was my QB3 in that mock draft. 16 too high? I think I think if he continues to play like he's playing and finishes out the season the way he is uh, continues to ascend – um, that it may not be too high. And we see this every year. And it'll be interesting with this quarterback class that how many teams fall in love with one of these guys in particular and end up going maybe higher than we anticipate. But there's a long way to go yet with the yeah, so process and everything. But I, you can maybe make an argument for five or six potential quarterbacks going in the first round. I... All right, let's go through that quickly because I, I struggle to find the five or six. So is Michael Penix Jr. first rounder for you? Because he is for I'm me. I'm saying he's 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 a potential option in the first round. All right. And give me the two other potential options since we're not we don't want to be married to these guys just yet. Yeah, JJ McCarthy, if yeah. he comes out, would be that would be five. And then the guy I don't think, but your guy, which I crit oh wait, I can't say I cringe to say. Uh, but if Bo Nix continues to go wow. the way he's going, I thought you were going to say Spencer Rattler, in which case I was going to be really excited. <laughs> yeah. I he's heard... kind of fell off the face of the earth. I haven't heard anything about him. Yeah. I got a, someone tweeted. Although I revisited that nightmare when I was watching some Georgia tape and I actually happened to put on that, uh, South Carolina game. Uh, when I was watching a Georgia defender, he didn't play terribly in that game, except for the, uh, except for the end. Oh yeah. He's, it's funny about Bo Nix. I know that that some teams actually like him. Certainly, what he's done post Auburn, and he had two good years at, at Oregon. And then some teams are hesitant about what to make of him. Yeah, and I'm assuming that Texas uh, 
Ewers, Ewers is Ewers is not coming out because if he does come out, maybe he's. I think he's behind those guys, and we yeah. talked about that in the past, just because of the uh, durability concerns. Um, but you know, does he potentially? sneak into the first round. I mean, that's where I was kind of like projecting maybe six, I think four for sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. Quinn Ewers came back last week and played for the, for Texas after missing a couple games with a shoulder. There's a, there's a report out there that he doesn't intend to come back to Texas for 2024. Mm-hmm. So that throws a wrinkle in that. And also the future of Arch Manning, who we'll be talking about probably in a couple of years on this show. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking. So someone will nominate him next week. We'll be talking about him next week, Rick. So get that going. They have to be draft eligible. <laughs> That's the new rule that Rick has demanded. Uh, I'm making a new rule that you can nominate high schoolers. That's my <laughs> rule. <laughs> if you can get us a JV tape, we will watch it. Rick will watch it. I'll, I'll watch him watch it. Uh, Quinn Ewers, we talked about last week to Tebow's little nugget there. He may come back but play somewhere else like that might be a situation too because arch manning is there then the the backup that played in uh quinn's place did a pretty good job the last few weeks as well so we'll see what happens and he could just come out we'll we'll find out together but as rick has noted uh we're early on in the process here all right so you think qb3 ish is a real possibility for Jaden, and i agree with that he's fun man any concern about the frame being slight or no no no, and I haven't seen him in person yet, but he's—I mean, he's—he's he's a six-four frame, so you know he's going to be able, an estimated six-four. Uh, who knows when he measures what he'll be? But it looks like there's room to physically, to mature and add some uh, bulk, good good strength to that that frame that he has. All right, let me ask you one more thing about Jaden before we move on, and since we're both in agreement 100% on the Lamar Jackson comp. I think you said he'll be better than Lamar Jackson in year one, but don't clip that, Debo. <laughs> um, do you remember the sort of what your thoughts were about Lamar coming out of Louisville in, in terms of did it match up with what we eventually saw? Because he's, I think, exceeded probably a lot of people's expectations. Uh, I think the game has changed where okay. questions that you would have asked four or five years ago when Lamar came out, okay, scrambling quarterback, can he throw from the pocket? Is he a traditional quarterback? But now you're seeing all these quarterbacks that aren't uh, traditional, that maybe they were five or six years ago, that these young offensive coordinators are using the skill set of the quarterback and adjusting their scheme accordingly to give them the best chance to have success. Well, you didn't see that in the past. Right. And I've been with coordinators that said, no, he's not going to fit our system. I know, but did you see him? He's a freak athlete. <laughs> I know, but he's not going to fit our system. Okay. And we're not going to draft him. Gotcha. Let's get the guy that runs a six second 40, but yeah. can do a seven step drop perfectly. I get it. Nope. That's right. All right. So I haven't thought much about Jackson Dart. And that's the next player we're going to talk about since he was at USC and lost his job somehow to Keaton Slovis at the time. And Keaton Slovis has since bounced around with the pit. I think he's at BYU now. And Jackson Dart landed up at Ole Miss with um, Lane Kiffin. And we watched the, the the game that they played against Georgia, and he got hurt in that game uh, in the second half. Up until that point, I was pleasantly surprised with Jackson Dart. Another yeah. good athlete. He's not Jaden Daniels athletic, but they they build the running game around him. What are your thoughts? You seem like you have something to say about Jackson. Yeah, no. I, maybe it's unfair because right after I watched Jaden Daniels, I put on – the Georgia game. You did the wrong order on that one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was unfair. 
So he is a good enough athlete. Uh, I thought that he is too nonchalant when he even takes oh. a snap from the shotgun. He kind of just kind of hops back into his drop back. Yeah. It, it's not like quick twitched. It's not like with a sense of urgency. So that I just thought he was too casual at times. I think he needs to speed up his total process, his whole process. Uh, I thought his accuracy was off on some of the downfield throws. That is a hundred percent true. Like he, he I, saw the throw. He just didn't make it. Yeah. Well then the ball, it's like he's throwing a helium balloon uh, because <laughs> it just hung up in the air forever. Uh, and I said, maybe unfair to watch him after <laughs> Daniels, but these are two different cats on the move. Yeah. If I were him, I would stay in school. Yeah. And, and look, that's a tough ask going up against Georgia anyway. And he's a tough kid. And the hit that he, he got hurt on, it didn't look like anything in the moment. We see, you know, people get their legs caved in on and all that. It, it just looked like a hit, but he, he was pretty, pretty rattled and came out of that game. Um, the deep throw thing I, I noticed as well. I like the I, the anticipation of some of those throws, but the accuracy wasn't there. And you mentioned the nonchalance of sort of his pocket presence. I always forget until I go back and start watching the old Ole Miss guys. If the wide receivers aren't getting the ball, they don't run hard on the routes by design. And we've talked about this before, but it, it's so incredibly difficult to get a sense for what's going on when you have receivers just jogging again, by design, and I would imagine some of that's to save their energy, but that's not helpful. I don't think that leaks over to the quarterback in terms of the nonchalance, but I it sort of it, it popped into my memory, uh, mind as something to mention when trying to evaluate the Ole Miss prospects on offense, at least. Yeah, well, that has nothing to do with the guy getting the ball and showing a sense of urgency in the yeah. pocket. No, I know. I knew you were going to say that. That's why I was trying to make that clear, but didn't make okay. it clear enough. No, All right. still, still not clear. Oh, wait. Yes, you did. You made it very clear, Ryan, and I yeah. – Completely thank you for educating me on that. <laughs> Did you treat people like this uh, in Minnesota when you're busting their hump? I wasn't busting your hump. I can't do that for 62 more days. Oh, okay. Okay. I misunderstood. Yeah, that was a – as hard as it is, I have a squeeze ball. <laughs> you kill that thing, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but, yeah great observation. That rattling you hear is my dog behind me having a, a grand old time. He's like your dogs, Rick. He just tries to get into the show every every opportunity he can. Oh, by the way, I, because again, I can't keep keep our keep on schedule here. Pop pop for Jaden. Yes. Um, what do you want to do for Jackson? Drop. Drop. I wish we could do something in between, but you won't allow me to do that. I'll give him a drop because he missed some of those throws. But I appreciate the effort, and I actually like him. You think he should come back? He's probably undrafted free agent guy if he comes out or do you think yeah, right now yeah. yeah just based i'd have to go back and study him further but based off of that exposure and i understand georgia but that's you know they always have nfl dudes on that defense jaron hall or jackson dart just the exposure you've had to him in terms of coming out I, it's unfair i don't okay. want yeah All that's right. unfair for me to if i'm going to say something i want to say it when i've completed my work Clearly, Rick, you don't understand how the media works, but okay. You do you. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Jackson's teammate, Ulysses Bentley the fourth. Didn't get a ton of touches here. He had six carries in this game, but uh, he's, uh, he's a the, little pushed up. Debo, did you note in the homework assignment that you said oh, six receptions for 23 yards? I did email or text you guys back on that. You texted I don't know, Ryan. It looks like six rush to me in the, the rundown. 
Oh, Mine did you? Says six receptions, 23 yards, unless REC dot means rush. <laughs> I, uh, see, Debo's not right. I, Debo's not in the, I can, Debo's not in the 62 day category. No, he's got a different, he's got a different tote board. Yes. The funny thing is, if you're, if you're listening or watching, is that Rick was not happy <laughs> when he sent this to, he was traveling, doing a bunch of stuff, and Debo didn't, if Debo doesn't specify directions point by point, and I mean point by point. To the point where Debo has to say, at the end of this sentence will be a period. This is the period. And then he goes on to the next sentence. Rick is going to have some some issues. So, Debo, quit living quit living the high life in L.A. and get your <laughs> mind right. <laughs> Unless you get me a Hallmark uh, acting role somewhere. And then Even you can do what you want. Then you can do what you want, Debo. Rick, I went to a little Broadway last night. Do you think I fit? No. You you could not. <laughs> well, you you could have been one of like the the three suitor. I went to see Mamma Mia. Look at um, this guy. Uh, this guy is having a. I want to come back and make my next life as Debo. My goodness. Yeah, you ever you ever seen that? You one of one of the three potential dads in Mamma Mia. Yes, I I did. Yeah. I yeah I could have been maybe one of those guys. There you I, go. I think, you know I could have been. I saw Phantom of the Opera in seven different theaters, including London. Look uh, at this. I, I saw, uh, I maybe saw about 12 or 14 Broadway shows through my illustrious acting career. <laughs> you realize when you're acting, you're supposed to be on the stage, not in this crowd. Oh, I thought it counted if I was in the crowd. <laughs> you you were in the crowd mouthing the words that you had studied yeah. for. That's right. Yeah, well, he, he would I, show up to get discovered. Yes, a five star. <laughs> I think like when I'm walking in, maybe someone will look at me and say, look at that dude. I think we should put him on stage. Yeah, get that guy up there. Uh, All right. Hamilton was excellent. I loved Hamilton. Saw Hamilton. Oh, yeah. You saw the original cast, Hamilton, right? Yes. Look yes. at this guy, Devo. Yeah, that's that's number one. I saw Hamilton last year. That's That's got to be tops on the list. So I saw, saw it on Disney Plus. Does that count? You guys are lapping me here. Yep. What, what was that show, Debo, since we're theater talking? Hanson? Something Hanson? I thought that was good. Uh, that I was a brother's reunion? That was good. No. No, and then everybody saw the Jersey Boys one. So, yeah, it's just endless. Debo, we'll have to off the air. Let's talk about our Broadway. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to sign up for Dear Evan Hansen. That uh, that was very way, good. Way you too depressing for me. You uh, need to appreciate that, Dear Evan Hansen. I did that one. Hey, I have yeah. a better idea. Why don't you and Debo start a theater pod? That could be something. <laughs> you guys could do your pro days from. Uh, from whatever version of Hamilton they're yeah, on. Yeah, we can travel around to different theaters around the country and give a five-star review. I would pay a lot of money to see you and Debo having to sit in those theater <laughs> seats and give your little Siskel and Ebert reviews of all the all the theater productions. All right, here we go. Ulysses Bentley the fourth. Again, six touches, uh, six specifically rushes in this game against Georgia. It was used early on, and then he was using it until late in the game. Um, they primarily relied on, on Quinshawn uh, Judkins, who... who Got some work there. and uh, But Benton does provide something as a kick returner. He did most of that damage at SMU before he transferred. Um, and, of course, he he plays running he, he plays running back. He's a little undersized. Shows the ability to catch the ball coming out of the backfield, but he hasn't been targeted a, a ton doing that. Has a little juice, but we didn't see a lot of them in just this game that we watched. Rick, what were your sort of initial takeaways, knowing basically what you said about Jackson, that you can't put too much into an evaluation just seeing one game where he had limited touches? 
Yeah, no, and thank you for helping me educate as I learn how to evaluate these guys because I said undersized running back without a lot of juice, quicker than fast, has to have a crease. Uh, he does have some twitch to, to bounce it outside, uh, but he lacks the speed to finish and get the corner. Uh, instead of six receptions for 23 yards, he only had one catch this game, Debo, just for your information. <laughs> and uh, he'll stick his face in there and pass protection. But as I said here, watching this game, he is average as grits. Interesting, because I thought he was a little juicier than you than you seem to think he was in terms of getting to the, the perimeter. You didn't think he had the, the speed to do that consistently? No, not off of this, based off of this evaluation. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let me see this one note here. Uh, I said it was a change of pace back with home run ability. You don't think about, you don't agree with that. Has kick return ability. Put up big numbers at SMU. Two years, he had four, two years there in Dallas, had four games of over 140 rush yards. Only had 16 rushes at Ole Miss last season. Um, but he had, he had some pretty good games this year against Georgia Tech, LSU, Arkansas. So we'll go Two back different there. animals when you watched uh, Evans that came out last year. Was Evans? Yeah, that's right. And this guy? Not, right. not comparable. In fact, last year, Judkins, the guy who got most of the workload on right. uh, on Saturday, was the one who was sharing carries primarily with Evans. Yeah, Ev- yeah, that's that's a good point. All right, next up, our guy. We've talked about him a couple times on the show. We'll talk about him once more. Cameron Kitchens. They played Florida State. Um, so we'll do Cam- Cameron Kitchens and his teammate Leonard Taylor, who we talked about over the summer, summer scouting, who plays on the inside. Played a lot of zero technique against Florida um, haven't seen him yet this year, so I was happy to see him get a chance to look at, at him again. You and I both have talked about Cameron Kitchens and what he does. Plays a lot of deep center field in both single high and, and two high safeties. He'll come down a hill and, and hit you in the run game. Um, I don't want to call him a liability in coverage, but you, you, you got to make sure you put him in position to have success because you can turn around in the middle of the field and, and get guys open that way. Leonard Taylor, I was I thought he started slow and got better. I was hoping to see a little bit more. I have to go back and look. I don't know if he plays primarily over the center all season. He played a little bit of three technique, played some one, two eye, all the other stuff, but he was primarily over the center. So I want to see where they used him um, throughout the season because last year he played a little bit more everywhere but over the center. But anyway, I, I thought he's athletic. He looks to me, does Leonard Taylor look undersized or is it wearing the number 56? Because I thought he didn't look as big as perhaps I remember him looking. Yeah. Um, is it my turn? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So let's go back to Kinchins because I we have to talk about Taylor. Uh, everything that we've seen through the season, love the way he comes up and hit. Uh, I question his angle at times because he played, mm. you know, when he's deep and closing. I uh, tried to close on a glance route or a little seam route and overran it. Uh, guesses. I think uh, at times when, it, when they play him over the slot, he's a great effort guy. There was a play in this last game against Florida State where they ran two slants and he was over the slot and he jumped the outside slant, and let the inside slant come yes. free. And, uh, but he did, gave great effort to chase down from behind. Uh, the biggest, but that was a guess. That, that's the situation yeah. he's guessing. Yeah. yeah, he just guessed. It's the biggest question that teams are going to have on this kid is can he play safety in the deep part of the field? Because if you're overrunning um, or if you don't, he doesn't take the correct angle, uh, you got we always thought the safety is the last line of defense. So they better be as sure tacklers as you can get because if they miss, then it's usually a big play. 
or a touchdown. So I think there's going to be, I love his toughness. Uh, I love the attitude he plays with. The biggest question is in the deep half of the field, can he play in space? You know who he reminds me of just in terms of that question? He's not the exact same player, although this player I'm going to mention is a is a hard-nosed player that likes to hit people. Teleno Hufanga for San Francisco came out of USC, and the question was, can he play in the deep part of the field? Because he was a downhill, hair-on-fire type player as well. He's had success playing in the deep part of the field. Do you see that sort of – I guess the question I'm asking, is that coaching? Is that maturing? No, it's, it's, it's instincts. Oh, okay. So it's not a situation um, where we talk about the coach can teach you not to be grabby if you're no, a quarterback. I think this kid is faster and a better athlete. Okay. I just don't know from an instinctual stand, standpoint Okay. if they're in the same category. All right. So let's talk about his teammate, Leonard Taylor, who, um, as I mentioned, plays, plays in, on the interior of the defensive line. I thought he struggled early. I thought he got better later. Um, didn't flash as much as I was hoping because we talked about, about him as a possible – day one, early day two guy. Now I'm sort of, well, I'll go watch more, but I'm sort of wondering where he's going to end up. Well, you're going to be a little disappointed because I went back uh, because it wasn't clear in the homework assignment. So I went back and <laughs> did the, the whole season so far. You did? Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Sweet mercy. All right. What'd you find out? So uh, I thought this kid was disappointing off the tape and uh, what I saw in 22. Okay. Uh, I think he plays with strength and power. Uh, he can anchor, not always consistent to get off the blocks. At times, he's he shows the quick twitch flashes that you've seen last year. But at other times, it just doesn't look like he's the same athlete as I saw last year. He can hmm. wrap up in line. He, it's, he was very disappointing to me as a pass rusher. Yeah. Um, does not, I didn't see the first step quickness I saw last year. And maybe it's because they have him like at a zero or right on top of the center. Maybe he's better as a three tech. Um, I thought he moved with much heavier legs. It just looks like he's sluggish. He doesn't. He does show power now. Now, if he gets an edge on one of those offensive linemen or gets on the, their shoulder, um, he he has the power to work through and get to the quarterback. He only has one sack this season uh, through eleven weeks. Uh, he had no effect on the quarterback uh, when they played UNC and Drake May. He didn't have any effect on the quarterback, uh, in my opinion, against Florida State. I don't know if he's playing heavier or if he's playing out of position at nose tackle, whereas where he lined up most of the season. But I was disappointed because I thought this kid was a really quick-twitched athlete, a three-technique, and I don't see that same twitch. I don't see that same athleticism that I saw last year in 22. And this is something that um, you would probably say if I prompted you to say it, but this is something that you had. This is why you have the area scouts talk to the team. Maybe yes. it's hurt. Maybe there's all sorts of things. Who, who knows what's going on? Maybe, as we talked about last year with um, I know DK Uzama, maybe he's playing out of position. Maybe you want to move him to that three technique instead of having him play over the center. But um, as I look through the notes just from this Florida State game, and that game was close, the, the freshman – quarterback for uh, Miami got hurt at the end. I think he broke his arm, as it turned out. Tyler Van Dyke came in, who had gotten benched and, and threw an interception in a, in a pretty tough situation. But early in the game, as I mentioned, I thought that Taylor was, was too high in his pad level. He was getting pushed around, getting ear-holed, like, you know, he was Cody Mock and Will Anderson was coming at him. And then I thought once he kept his pad level low, he was able to – he was stout at the point. He was able to, to do some things that he wasn't doing earlier. Yeah, the one question that you'd want to find out 
after the season is what, from a technique standpoint, what are they asking him to do? Yeah. Because are they asking him to stay in there and two gap and hold the point? Or does he have the ability on things that we saw last year that he can get upfield and penetrate as a one gap defensive lineman? So that's the biggest area uh, that I would want to know from a football standpoint. Has anything from a schematic standpoint changed and what they're asking him to do? And I remember that being a talking point because I watched Rashawn Gary coming out of Michigan and I just didn't get what the hype was with Rashawn Gary. And, and I was told that he's, they're asking him to do things that don't highlight what he does best. Right. And, and uh, we, it, you can even go back to Will Anderson. Now they're yeah. putting his ears back. And, you know, some people that uh, evaluate draft on uh, for CBS thought yeah. he wasn't quick twitched. And, <laughs> and now – they put him in that wide nine and tell him to pin his ears back and go. Yeah. And it's two different athletes when you watch on tape uh, with the Texans and what he did at Alabama last year. Not that he was a bad athlete. He was a really good athlete. But they just – you got to understand what they're being asked to do before right. you make that judgment. All right, so let's wrap this up here. Ulysses Bentley, you got to pop or drop him just because – that's, didn't even let me get the word out. All right. Yeah, I think it's a drop just from lack of touches and lack of production. Um, Cam Kitchens. Drop. I'm going to give him a pop. I thought I, – I like him, and I think he okay. his best football's ahead of him. I'll just save you the trouble of talking. Drop, drop for Leonard Taylor. I would drop. like to see more from Leonard. All right, and finally, sophomore out of Georgia, true sophomore Malachi Starks. This is what got Rick put Rick over the edge because he is not draft eligible. That's why we had to tweak the rules. But, hey. You guys work through the loopholes, and you you ask for it, so you get it. So Malachi Stark, I didn't know he was just a, a true sophomore when I watched him. I was just watching him because Georgia always has a million dudes out there. And here's where I'll start. He looks like a grown man <laughs> in the secondary. Good Lord, uh, for being 18 or 19 or 20, whatever he is. I'll say this, though. When he you stand him next to Javon Bullard, who was smaller, he is n- not nearly as twitchy, shifty, fluid, and that's okay. You don't have to be, but Javon Bullard had the interception in that game, and he was flashing a little bit more than Starks, but that's, a, again, not, a, not the end of the world. But I like Starks, and you look at, the, if you're uh, listening to us, Debo has the top prospects coming out of that class. Some guy named Travis Hunter was at the top as a five-star uh, Debo's guy, Drew Aller, who is having a pretty tough go at Penn State, was also a five-star. And then there's Malachi Starks, the fourth overall prospect in, in that class. So we'll talk about Starks more next year and the years to, to follow in terms of draft prospects. But what, what did you like about him as an athlete playing safety? Uh, I was I went back because I did my homework this time. So I watched all of his 2023 tape. I thought you told me not to brag. I thought you said that's one of the things we're not supposed to do. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you, so you don't think I just watched one game. So oh, this okay. is my assessment of the whole game, of the okay, whole season. You. I thought okay. this guy was a very good football player, good angles, uh, more than willing in support. Uh, he works off blocks in space, solid wrap tackler. I've seen him rarely miss tackles. Uh, he played a lot over the star uh, slot, like kind of that star position a little bit, but see more uh, as just a true safety at the next level. Um, Better reacting to routes underneath, better in zone than man, but he is physical with receivers. He's going to have to learn how to keep his hands off receivers, especially downfield. There would be a ton of penalties. 
Uh, gave up a couple of TDs in the red zone. I said one see the Florida game. Uh, very good ball skills. Uh, showed nice hands on a couple of interceptions. He had two interceptions. Uh, he was not a factor, and they rarely use him as a blitzer. Uh, but I just need to make sure of his speed. But I thought this guy was a really good football player, and we'll be talking about him as a prospect here in the future. Yeah, I finally found my notes on him. He was one that plays center field and loves to drive on those uh, over routes in front of him, looking to smack somebody. And that sends a message, uh, either subliminally if he doesn't hit you or physically if he does end up meeting you with a ball. So I wonder if there's an opportunity to beat him deep. Um, I don't know about the speed. I didn't see that. So you you had a better sense of that since you watched every single snap going back to junior high school. So I pro- applaud <laughs> you for that. Um but I liked him too. I'm trying to think. So he played a lot of free safety, some slot, as you mentioned, some strong safeties in the box. So they lined him up, lined him up everywhere. And um, he's one of those guys that were not, not, not on our radar just because he's not draft eligible, but he's not the, the, one of the bigger names. But just goes to show you that Georgia has so many dudes everywhere. And I told they you, like Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama. It's like watching Star Wars. There's 2,000 troopers and dressed in white <laughs> walking out. And you blow the first thousand away. Well, there's ten thousand behind them that look exactly the same way and play the same way. It's funny you say that because I saw a clip from Nick Saban. I don't know if it's recent or from the past, but it was on on the old internets talking about rookie, uh, excuse me, freshmen that don't get a chance to play and how it's not the end of the world. And he was going through what feels like millions of kids have gotten drafted from Alabama since he arrived there in 07. And he said, you know. Let's say I got 45 guys that teams are interested in. I'm going to get 45 times 32 calls from the NFL teams, which works out to whatever that number is. Never once have I gotten a phone call where someone asked, how did this kid play as a freshman? No one cares. No. They just care that you become a better football player. And I think Nick's point is that you can become a better football player without playing all the time. And to your larger point, when you go to those schools, the Ohio States, the Alabamas, the, the Georgias, you may not play. But when you do, you'll be better prepared than had you just been thrown out there as an 18-year-old who weighs 165 pounds soaking wet. All right, that's my little spiel. Right, I thought this was interesting. Starks, the the number four overall recruit in 2022, number four in 2021, also on this list. You want to take a guess? 2021. I can't even remember what draft class is. So that means they're draft eligible of, now? Yeah, of the, of the guys we just talked about. Oh, on this list. He's on that list. Oh, all right, you want to guess, Rick? I, I think I know who it is. Uh, I'm going to throw a – I'm going to say Leonard Taylor. Actually, that might it's not Jackson Dart because Jackson Dart was was a junior in college in 2021. All right, yeah, I think it might be. I'll go with Rick. Is it Leonard? Yep, Leonard Taylor. You're pretty good at this, Rick. You should yeah. let me go first and say Jackson Dart when he was still at USC. <laughs> Caleb Williams, number eight in that class. Yeah, if you hear folks talk now, he's going to be the eighth overall pick. He's he's uh he's falling down the draft boards, Rick. That's the word on the street. I'd be happy as hell if I was sitting there at eight. <laughs> All right. Um, what do you want to give Malachi? We can give him a pop or drop, even though we're not going to tell you where he's getting drafted. Yeah, uh, I'd give him a pop. I liked him. I did too. I'll give him a pop as well. And we'll give a, a we'll give Javon Bullard a an ancillary pop because he had a good game as well. And we'll be talking about him a lot more for sure. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, going to talk about these uh, rookie quarterbacks and maybe even uh, talk a little bit about Will Anderson. The interview I had with him right after this. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Rick. Coleridge Bernard Stroud the fourth continues to be not only the best rookie quarterback, not only a top ten quarterback, but let's listen to what our guy Will Anderson had to say about his teammate, CJ. CJ has the whole package, man. Like I'm telling you, like we'd be so happy on defense. Look at him like, hey, that's our quarterback right there. Like he can zip that thing. Like we got that. We straight. So having CJ here, man, it's a blessing to everybody in this organization, man. So that's your buddy, Will Anderson Jr. He he missed seeing you yesterday, Rick. But he also went on to say that CJ would get his MVP vote right now if he he if he had a, a vote for that. Um, what do you think about CJ as a legit MVP candidate? Yeah, well, that's the thing that's if he gets them in the playoffs. I guess my question is not because of the numbers he's throwing up, but why I would consider him uh, MVP candidate is because of how he's won those last two games. And if he continues to come through in a critical situation of the game, because last week he threw that late interception in the fourth quarter, and it didn't phase him. It's like he's a 10-year vet that's been through this 100 times. And it's almost like I got this. And it's been very unique that a rookie quarterback with the pressures of the game and his ability – on that last drive to pull out two games at the end. That's why, to me, he should be considered an MVP quarterback. And by the way, you can check out that Will Anderson interview either in the podcast feed or on YouTube. And we talked about D'Amico Ryans. We talked about Nick Saban. We talked about uh, the play that Rick and I talked about last week. I had him break that down where they did the end, uh, end tackle stunt with Cleo Davis and he earholed our guy Cody Mock. And they got a big sack late in that game against Tampa Bay two weeks ago talked about CJ and then he talked a little bit about Dallas Turner his former team at Alabama who's going to be a first round pick and he gave us a little scattering report on on his former teammate there so that's fun check that out but Did in terms of CJ yeah we talked about you early I said Rick had a prior obligation he is incredibly sorry that he missed you because I know he loves you know what I told him I said will uh I said will Rick loves you more than anyone at Alabama except Bryce Young you're one a Bryce is one just so you know <laughs> but he was okay with that uh, but talking about CJ, so the numbers, in case you need to be refreshed, 23 of 39 for 356 yards, had a touchdown, had that interception that Rick talked about late in the game, deeper than our end, that was almost a, a pick six. Uh, the, the Bengals ended up scoring and tying that game late. But CJ had the rushing touchdown. He did lose two fumbles, and he said afterwards he's got to do a better job of that. But he only has two interceptions on the season, which is hard to wrap your brain around. Um, Noah Brown continues to be one of the best players in the NFL, so refining himself in, in Houston after – early seasons in Dallas. Um, there was a throw in that game that I'm still trying to figure out. I don't know if the NFL has apologized yet, but he threw the high back five back of the end zone to Robert Woods. 
Robert Woods wasn't out of bounds. They called him out of bounds, didn't reestablish or whatever the rule is, and they took that touchdown away. That was an amazing throw. Yeah. No, it's incredible what he's doing. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'm sorry, Ryan. I had to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I missed that. (laughs) And you see uh, Debo uh, put up the odds. CJ Stroud is now plus 2,000. What does that mean to you? That means that I'm going to give Debo a dollar. So if he does win, it's worth the dollar investment so I can win $2,000 if he does end up being the MVP. There you go. Good job. Good job. So, so he is he is just behind Joe Burrow. Uh, who's he just ahead of there? Oh, Brock, just ahead of Brock Purdy. And the list from top to, to CJ is, is Patrick, Jalen, Tua, Lamar, Joe Burrow, and then CJ, which is pretty incredible. I think before, according to um, our buddy Will Brinson uh, of the uh, uh, Pick 6 podcast, before this game against Cincinnati in Week 10, the odds were 40 to 1. So they are dropping like a rock, Rick. That's plus 4,000. I think that's the math on that. So he is uh, proving to be truly special. Hey, Debo, can you get, put a dollar on for me, and then I'll split it with you? If we win the <laughs> plus 2,000, it's 1,000 each. And then I'll take the dollar hit. So that would be sports gambling <laughs> not legal out here in La La Land. But uh, when I get back to Pennsylvania, I'll place that bet for you. Okay. Uh, that's definitely mean. That definitely means he's been gambling. He just wants to be on record as saying he's not gambling. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't. As you know, I, I don't know a lot about gambling, although it's hard to tell. Yeah, uh, it is. But I did. Someone asked me, "Do you want?" Uh, I have a guy who goes. Just bet ten, one ten dollar bet. So you know what bet I took this week? Oh, what? I took the under in the Rutgers Iowa game at twenty eight. <laughs> Debo, he went all in. He didn't do a, a popular. You, so this guy told you to take the under. Or do you have a sense that they were going to score a few a few points? No, he said he he says this is crazy. No one is under twenty eight. And I said, take the under. I said I'll put ten bucks on for me and uh, take the under. What and, were the What was the payout? Do you know? Well, I don't understand it. Yeah. Because trying to explain to me if I put ten dollars, then I win ten dollars. Then did I actually win anything? I could. Yeah, that 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 would have been you know even minus one ten odds, Ryan. It was just right, a, okay. that was the actual total on the game, and I believe twenty two nothing was the final score in that one. Oh, you won that one! Holy moly! Yeah, so apparently I didn't win anything because I said I bet ten dollars and I won ten dollars. So you get ten dollars back. You get ten plus ten. So I get what? Twenty. You so, bet ten to win twenty. You doubled your money. Okay. What I happened to ten dollars? Like, so if I gave the guy ten dollars, does he give me a twenty dollar bill back? Uh, in your internet account, yes. I don't think he comes to your house and hands you twenty dollar bill. Is that right, Debo? That sounds right, right? Yes, for the purposes of this conversation, that's, that's correct. <laughs> it's like we're trying to explain uh, rocket science to a toddler. <laughs> yeah, sure. The rocket goes up, it comes down. Okay. All right, so yeah, CJ is the is the easy one for me here. I don't think you uh, would have any pushback. I, I mean, I, I don't even want to ask this stupid question. You, you're, the, the turnovers happen. It's part of the NFL. There's no concerns there. With You, you don't want him to throw that interception late. The fumbles, I get, but it's hard to be upset with what he's doing, right? No. Yeah. I, I would bench him according to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Bench him. I don't even know who the backup is there now. I can't remember. Whoever it is, he should be playing. That's all He's I'm saying. Him. Oh, Case. Your guy, Case. Good thing they didn't take my advice to Vikings and trade for him. 
Yeah. How about not not that we're on this podcast, but just a real quick nugget is, uh, and I was just on another show. Um, <laughs> the man who never sleeps. <laughs> if with the news coming out on Deshaun Watson today. Okay, yeah. So let's talk about. Let's give some um, some background. I what is the exact injury? I didn't see. I just saw the headline. Well, apparently he had a high ankle sprain in that game, and he had, I think, a fracture in a scapula, oh. which is a new injury in his throwing shoulder. So, Jeez. okay, so that's serious. Uh, yeah, and I'm just reading quick stuff quickly here, but he's done for the year now with that defense that they play with. You know, they already lost Nick Chubb. They're going to have to play great defense and run the ball and control the clock. Uh, maybe not this week because they're playing the Steelers. So, and the Steelers stink on offense. Uh, well, I shouldn't say stink. They're not very good. They stink, uh, but go ahead. But here is this question. And Mike Tannenbaum brought this up. What if Cleveland did not, trade Josh Dobbs before the season, he would be their starting quarterback. Would you feel a lot better in Cleveland right now? Oh, of course. PJ Walker. So, right. So PJ Walker, or there's some conversation that our guy Dorian Thompson Robinson might get another start. They might go back to him it after is. he had a tough go of it in his debut as a rookie uh, regular season game against the Ravens. I believe he looked good in the preseason. We talked about him there, but right. The answer is Josh Dobbs. And here I'll take it a step further as a Steelers fan. I'm thinking maybe the Steelers should have kept Josh Dobbs because Maybe the Titans, maybe wherever he's he's been traveling. Yeah, Arizona I get on some level because Kyler was going to play. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. All right. I asked our buddy Will Anderson Jr. about Bryce, and he basically said the same thing you've said all along, that he there's no one tougher mentally. He'll get through this. You have to be patient um, because it, things are going terribly for him and that organization. Um but, you know, as I like to do, go back and watch all of all the throws of these rookies. And I'll just say this. And I'm going to be a broken record about this. And you can say that I'm, I'm a homer. I don't care. I, if you have any – if you want to say Bryce is terrible and the, the Panthers made a huge mistake, I would encourage you to go back, pick any game, and at the top of Bryce's drop, hit pause, and then show me who is open. Just do that. Because, as I said before, all they're running is all the, – they run all stick about 95% of the time where just the receivers go to the sticks and turn around. They're always covered. They don't have anyone to stretch the field. Michael Strawn, who was with Frank Reich in uh, Indy, Indy, and uh, he's a small school guy. He can run, though. The only explosive play they had was when he ran uh, a little seam or corner, whatever it was, and Bryce hit him. Perfect throw. Right. And that's it. They have no one else that can get open consistently down the field. Adam Thielen is the guy that you throw the ball to 10 yards and close to the line of scrimmage, and he's good at that. But he ain't stretching defenses. So I thought Bryce played better. He didn't play great. No, a couple of those throws were frustrating to watch that he missed. Like the one play action, because they don't, you know, we've talked oh, about yeah. this. That's true. Play. That first over he missed. You're right. Yeah. But he they play actioned him to the left. Play yeah. actioned him to the right. He's a right-handed quarterback. He's got it. You're right, though. He's got to make that throw. That's, yeah. a, that's a terrible miss. Yep. Fair enough. That's right. Um, but again, I, I think he's doing the best with what he has. He's the best athlete on that team, which is not what you want, but he he wins consistently with his legs, and you don't want him taking hits, but here we are. Um, I think things are going to work themselves out, maybe not this season, almost certainly not this season. We saw Ken Dorsey get fired yesterday for the Buffalo Bills, which is uh, quite a development when you look at how that offense has actually been pretty good. The defense has been the problem. But I, I think that Bryce 
I think he's just got to suck it up and deal with this, and hopefully they can figure things out in the offseason. But um, as, as I used to say, this too shall pass. <laughs> the only question is who's going to be around once it passes, right? Right. Well, Bryce will be around. So, all right. I, I did my little angry rant about Bryce Young and standing up for him. Do you have anything to add in terms of the actual game? Because I thought he did some things that were encouraging, yeah, it, but again, frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating to watch this offense. I did think he missed some throws, and but then when you're getting whacked so many times, it's uh, hard to stay patient in the pocket. He's doing a better job. I mean, he tries to get the ball out of his hands quick now, trying to anticipate where the receivers are going to be. But uh, me and you are Bryce Young defenders. Other people will rip us uh, for defending him. But be patient. This will all pass in due time. All right, yeah. I mean, it's frustrating, I'm sure. I'm sure he's not happy about it. But Will Anderson did say, he says, the bad thing happens. All will, all that means is that Bryce is going to work harder. So at least take solace in the fact, Panthers fans, that Bryce is not going to give up. And um, I don't know if that makes you feel any better now, but it is what it is. Okay, let's go to another young quarterback who somehow actually gets hit more often than Bryce Young in his, his short stint on the field in terms of being a starter. He made his second start, third, third appearance, third start. Okay, third start. So Will Levis, of course, and uh, played against Tampa Bay, and that team could not muster any offense, and it wasn't all Will Levis' fault because, as has been the case the two previous times he's on the field, he's dropping back. He's getting hit in the face consistently. His arm strength is fun to watch because he can throw any pass from any arm angle from any anywhere that his feet are set. Um, I think we're starting to see some of the things that we had questions about last year in terms of forcing the ball into situations where he either seems frustrated and tries is trying to make something happen, or he's not seeing what he should be seeing. But he's a rookie. It wasn't terrible. I think it's something you can build on. And again, just like the Carolina Panthers, this offense has a ton of questions, and people can't get open down the field. It's enough flashes on some good throws that keep you intrigued. Yeah. But I thought there could have been three more interceptions this game because when he unleashes the beast of an arm that he has, that ball careens everywhere. It's like watching a uh, 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 Debo won't know this. Remember when there was a pinball when a ball come down? Uh, yeah, pinball. and it gets caught up in the little uh, bumper things. Yeah, and they just pop all around. <laughs> that ball's flying everywhere because it's creaming off of receivers' hands, DB's hands. It's a uh, it's it's the thing we talked about was the touch. Uh, but teams of after that first game. Teams are putting some safeties behind them right now and that I will call it like a cover two. So they're not getting the same looks on deep throws as they did in that first game, I believe was it, it was against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now they're trying to take away some of those deep throws because they really don't have anyone to stretch the field. No. Uh, so, and now they're making them play quarterback from the pocket. And now you're seeing a rookie trying to play quarterback from the pocket and getting hit a lot. I mean, beat of a, when he came through the uh, Dillard, is that the left tackle? It yeah. was. Yeah, that was kind of hard to watch. That Debo's uh, guy, Andre Dillard, who the knock on him was he couldn't uh, anchor. Anchor. And still it, can't. Still can't. You mentioned the pinball effect sometimes. The Chigaquanquo got hit in the hands in the end zone on one of those throws. Yeah. I don't, is that on Will? Because I feel like Chick has to catch that ball. No, they have to catch the ball, but it's 
they got to know that this dude has a rocket for an arm and it's coming. I right. Mean, exactly. Because he so, had to squeeze between two defenders who were on each yeah, side of Chig. It was a good throw. But yeah. I'm just saying, those balls, there there were two or three of them in this game that could have been intercepted very easily beside the one when they threw it up for grabs when he got hit. Right. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask this quickly since we're sort of talking about strong-arm quarterbacks who aren't always getting helped. It reminded me of the Josh Allen, the first interception uh, on, on Monday night that went through Gabe Davis's hands that was, in fact, intercepted and then subsequently, you know, 12 hours later. 18 hours later, Ken Dorsey got fired. I just want to ask you specifically, like, how does that conversation happen with Rick Spiels with the general manager? Does the coach come to you and say, I need to fire this guy? Are you saying we got to fire this guy? Like, how does that come about? It's all, um, to me, it's uh, the head coach's decision. He puts his staff together. I only had one experience. I experienced that when uh, Mike Zimmer fired John D. Filippo in the middle of the season. Yeah. So, uh, coach came in and talked to me and said that was his decision let the ownership know um and then pat Shermer became the offensive coordinator after that so but yeah that is a uh those are all head coaching decisions and usually you have a meeting with the general manager the ownership head coaches explaining why we need to go in buffalo if you want to call them in this proverbial super bowl window um the change Sean McDermott felt had to be made. And Joe uh, Brady now will be the new offensive coordinator. And it's going to be tough sledding this week because they're, <laughs> they're going against a very good Jets defense. So, and a team that Josh you, Allen can't beat. So you, know, you don't just throw out the playbook and just say, okay, here's a new 250,000 page playbook. <laughs> Start studying it. We got to play. You got to use this. They'll take the scheme and make some adjustments accordingly onto what uh, Joe thinks need to be made and so it'd be interesting to watch that game now with a new offensive coordinator and if you you see a different result it just looks like i don't want to call it painful but there's just no rhythm it just seems forced uh when you watch the buffalo bills right now it's a weird thing to see james cook get benched after the first fumble i I would imagine they benched him on purpose because when he came back late second quarter early third quarter he was the best player on the field and it just makes you think he fumbled again but he caught that one so that's okay (laughs) Would it ever be a situation where the coach wants to fire the an assistant and, and you might say, ah, let's not do it, or are you just going to? No, I'm always going to defer to the coach. because. Okay. But the one thing you know you're going to – they're still going to get paid. Uh, oh, right. That, you do have to consider that because – Yeah, so from a – you know, those are the things that you talk through the ownership with. But where Buffalo is as a football team right now and, you know – when does this window close? It may not for a while just because they have Josh Allen. But they, if they want to make a run this year, it was a decision that Sean McDermott thought needed to be made. All right, fun fact. Uh, Sean McDermott and Joe Brady both went to college William Mary. Is that where you went? Yeah. Okay. I went to school with Sean McDermott. Yeah, I'm sure he remembers you. He did the first time and when he was the uh, the D.C. at Carolina. The second time he didn't. <laughs> Once he got big time, he, he forgot who I was. <laughs> um, but, hey, I get it. Although I have this memorable face, it's really weird that he didn't remember me. All right, let's talk about the top five rookies. Oh, let's talk quickly about Aiden O'Connell. Sorry. This thing's running long. I'm asking all these questions. Um, so Aiden O'Connell did a much better job in, in round two for a bunch of different reasons. Um Manage manage that uh, that offense. Antonio Pierce is now two and zero as the interim head coach. 
the last head coach to go 2-0, and Rich Bisaccia, Raiders, didn't get the job. So maybe we'll see if Mark Davis learns a lesson from that. But Aiden O'Connell's future, because we talk a lot of, when we talk about these quarterbacks in this draft class, guys that can come in, be backups, spot starters, and have success. Aiden O'Connell feels like he has an opportunity to be that guy, maybe not this year, but down the road, a guy who can be in the league seven, eight, nine years as a, a spot starter. As a spot starter, not as a yeah. full 16-game starter, because yeah. most partner makes good decisions. You know that he's limited from an athletic standpoint, you know, through the poor interception in the middle of the field, which he should have never thrown. But in order for him to have success, they need a very strong run game and a supporting cast around him and go out there and manage the game. But all of a sudden, since Antonio Pierce took over, you're seeing a resurgence for whatever reason of Josh Jacobs and being able to run the ball, playing better defense, that will give a young quarterback at least a chance to have a chance. Uh, great touchdown catch by Michael Mayer. Good throw. That, yep. But great yep, catch by Mayer. Yep, in the end zone. Uh, also, he maybe not. He probably won't be a Hall of Famer, Aiden O'Connell. Hall of Fame mustache. He looked like Rick Spielman in the picture with you and your brother there at training camp. <laughs> that was a Hall of Fame mustache. All right. Let's talk about our top five rookies from week 10, and we'll get through this. We'll try to get this in five minutes so we can get to the um, updated draft order, too, because Debo's got things to see in L.A., Rick. All right, let's start from – we'll go from the top. We just talked C.J. C.J.'s number one, and I don't think that's that's up for debate. Uh, number two, though, our guy getting more and more work. David Montgomery's back. He had a nice run down the sideline. Jameer Gibbs. 14 rushes, 77 yards, two touchdowns, three receptions for 35 yards. He's so incredibly uh, dynamic in the pass game as well. I think that you should have bet the over of that game. Um, you can't bet on the lines because your brother's there. But uh, hypothetically, that was a fun game to watch. I love Dan Campbell's decision, and our buddy Pete Prisco was angry about this, to go for it on fourth down, to control the clock. Oh, we argued about that in the green room. It was – I thought he's not coaching scared. Right. Know? Right. So – Pete's like, he was so anti going forward on that fourth and two. And here's what will happen with Pete, which is what I feel I realized that, okay, so you kick the field goal and then you give a minute and change to Justin Herbert, who has been, who was lights out in that game. They drive down and they win the game. And then Pete's excuses, well, the defense should have stopped him. Well, Dan Campbell took it out. Of, didn't even make that up for debate. So I love that part of him. But Jameer Gibbs, talk about his continued development, his incredible twitch, his hard running ability, all that he brings to this offense. Well, I want to uh, pull up something here okay. for you. I texted my brother when I was arguing with Pete after that game. <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, I had a great win. I said, uh, Chris said this. He says, Dan coaches with no fear. And I told Pete that. Then I got Pete on with Chris in the green room on the uh, speakerphone. Oh, God. How'd that go? Oh, why do you always why do you always make me look bad in front of your brother? I said <laughs> <laughs> Quit saying stupid stuff. Yeah. But Dan does. He coaches with no fear. And that's what you it, want. Yeah. And I think it was a gutsy call, but it was the right decision because it worked. But the way their defense was playing, if they got that fourth and two, I know Patterson. As their kicker, we had him in Minnesota. I've had every kicker in the NFL kicking right now in Minnesota. <laughs> so I know all of these guys personally. He is a very accurate kicker, but he doesn't have great length, leg strength. So to get it closer ensured victory. And plus, 
if you make that, and I'm sure they discuss that, game's over because we can just run the clock down. Yes, sir. If you miss it, you're going to be putting a lot of pressure on a defense and giving the ball back to Justin Herbert. So that was throw in all the chips, coach with no fear, we can get this done. And when you have the, the way that offense was playing and the way uh, Johnson was calling the game, yeah, uh, you, you, you trust your, your coaches, you trust your players to come up, and golf was having a great game. And, you know, Laporta has been good all year. So, you know, throwing it to a rookie tight end, uh, it was a great call, you know, so, and it worked, but you know, us, what is it called? Pundits, pundits, whatever, what are we, when we sit here and behind a microphone? Pundits, pontificators. Yes. Would, would be saying the exact opposite if they ended up losing that game. That's the thing. Fourth and the great irony is that he did it against Brandon Staley, who takes a ton of criticism when he goes for it on fourth down and doesn't get it. I think got they, it. Were, they were four or five on fourth downs that game. I think they three of three for uh, the Chargers, and I think four of five for Detroit. Yes. So eight or nine out of. I think they had a higher percentage converting fourth down than they did third down that game. That's exactly right. Um, quickly on Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator is going to get a ton of looks as a head coach this draft, this hiring cycle. I've forgotten this, but Joe Person for the Athletic mentioned this uh, recently. Uh, he withdrew his name from consideration from the Panthers job last cycle. And if you're a Panthers fan, you probably don't want to think about that, seeing how the choice offense is working, but just something to keep in mind. Yeah, and the one only thing I'll add to that is D'Amico Ryans pulled himself out before he took the Houston job the year hmm. before because he didn't think he was ready. And I wow. think Ben Johnson's doing the same thing. I don't know if he was ready or felt that he was ready to be a head coach, but I think after the success they have this year that he'll feel that he's ready if someone wants to give him an opportunity. Yeah. Oh, by the way, quickly, um, Jared Goff was talking to Tracy Wolfson, the sideline reporter for the number one CBS crew after the game. And he said on national television when she asked him about that fourth down call, he goes, I don't know if I can say this on television, but Dan Campbell, he's ballsy. He's got some balls. Yeah. So I thought, I thought that was funny. Um, all right. Jameer Gibbs. Looks like Jameer Gibbs, Alabama to me. Do you have anything to add in terms of? No. The only thing it was, it was nice to see as a changeup is that usually in earlier in the season, they would have brought David Montgomery in those uh, goal-to-go runs, and both of his touchdowns came in, uh, you know, when they were inside the five or inside the 10-yard line, and they gave it to Gibbs instead of Montgomery, which maybe fantasy land people were disappointed <laughs> in that decision. Fantasy land. But uh, they know now that they have a pretty good one-two combination with those two backs. Yeah, David Montgomery looked faster than I remember, too, on that little burst down the sideline. So that, that's about good. the uh, Jamison block, Williams block down the field on that long run? Oh, that was him? struggling as a receiver, but, boy, it's like he kicked it into gear, and he's, like, jogging, and then he took two guys out, and one was Derwin James as far as just getting enough to get in front of him to have Montgomery get it into the end zone on that run. All right, good for all Jameson there. All right, number three on my list, a guy we haven't talked about since, I don't think since the the draft process. We've mentioned him in passing probably in the preseason, but Jaden Reed finally starting to put it together for the, the Green Bay Packers out of Michigan State, five catches, 84 yards. Um, He's going to be the Randall Cobb. I'm hesitating because I'm thinking, do you think he has a chance to be better than Randall Cobb? Well, he's faster. 
Yeah, he got behind. Randall Cobb uh, was pretty good though in his heyday. In Green he was Bay. good. He for sure uh, got behind the coverage on an uh, on an over on a touchdown. A great throw by Jordan Love. Jordan Love has had very few moments where we could say great throw by Jordan Love, but he got that against the Steelers a few times. They still, of course, lost that game. Um, but use him in the screen game a lot, and then he was able to win down the field. Um, played in the slot. They would motion him around, lined up outside. So they're moving all over the place. And Christian Watson continues to be. Not as consistent as I would like. Yeah, I didn't want to say that word. Maybe he's still his hamstring isn't 100. I don't know, but he needs to step up. But in the meantime, we're seeing more for Jaden Reed, and and that's been fun to watch. Musgrave, who we have talked about before, had a few plays as well. The tight end, uh, who was drafted in the second round as well. I agree. Number four, Bijan. Bijan's finally back on the field. Seems like I don't know if he hit a rookie wall. I don't even know if we're at that point in the conversation. But uh, Smith wall. Yeah, Arthur Smith. Maybe that's a more, a better, a more descript, uh, apt description. I don't get that, but you know, I don't get a lot of things. I don't know why you wouldn't be playing Bijan more often. But he had 22 rushes for 95 yards. Did have a touchdown, one catch for 11. Um, he doesn't look to be as uh, explosive. Have the explosive opportunities he had early in the season. Maybe defenses are having eight guys in the line around the get line. The man now. the ball. He'll make his plays. Just keep feeding the man the ball. I think that's the, don't overthink it. I think you're right. Yeah. Because we saw the, the the flashes of him hitting the hold and then dragging people down the line of scrimmage. All right. Amazing. Fair enough. They actually gave him the ball at the five yard line and the guy can actually run into the end zone because he's faster than everybody. Yeah, I know. I'm just, uh, it seems like sometimes we try to, we try to overthink things and, and complicate things for no reason. Bijan's a, a simple one. Um, it is frustrating that the offense has the players that they have in the skill positions and they're not explosive. Part of that's the quarterback situation, but. We'll talk about that at some other point. And finally, a fine young man we have yet to discuss out of Liberty. Day three pick for the Patriots. The Patriots' best wide receiver on the roster. He was the twitchiest wide receiver on the roster when everyone was healthy back in training camp. Demario Douglas, six catches, 84 yards. Um, That's a little Jaden Reed in this game. I think he's a little twitchier than Jaden Reed. Not as big. Um, I agree. And- but don't forget some of those yards. And I like him. I think he's the only guy that has any type of juice on the offense, regardless of position. Um, but some of those were garbage yards when they uh, Indy went back all the way to the end zone two minutes before the half, and you know he ran right. for about forty of them. But a uh, good little slot uh, makes him. He just needs to get stronger. Yeah, you can see him when he gets wired up with the defenders. But he is the only guy that has juice on that offense. And again, that's a problem. For an offense like that, that's a problem for offense like Carolina. That's a problem for an offense like Tennessee. And it makes me wonder if we'll see a push towards draft drafting. You're not going to find this exact person, but this body type and the, the sort of the, the resume, like a Tank Dell type. Are we going to see smaller, twitchier wide receivers who can get open, uh, see their draft stock rise in terms of how many of these guys get drafted? Because they, the, the, the big lumbering wide receivers that struggle to get open don't help you. I think that's that's already started to trend, but I think when you see these guys, that that will be uh, those are great Friday picks. Mm. I, don't, I think that's where you get these guys. All right, that's it for our top five: CJ, Jameer, Jaden Reed, Bijan, and Demario Douglas. Going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to look at the updated 2024 NFL draft order. Right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. So, Deep, I'm just double-checking the draft order. I think that – I'm looking at the Tankathon one. I think that the Patriots currently have the number three pick, and then the Cardinals are four, unless I'm mislooking at something. So I'm going to go with that. That is correct. Okay. All right. So I'll double-check. All right. So uh, I'll just read off the top ten for people who are listening. And if you're watching – oh, yeah, you already had it up on Tankathon as I'm talking to you about it. Uh, Chicago – has the first pick. That's Carolina's pick. We won't dwell on that if you're a Panthers fan. Number two, the Giants are solely, squarely in the race for a quarterback. <laughs> Wild times indeed. At third are the New England Patriots in the same boat as the Giants. Number four, Arizona. Number five, Chicago with their original first-round pick. Six, Green Bay. Seven, L.A. Rams. Eight, Tennessee. Nine, Atlanta. Ten, Washington. So, Rick, let's talk about picks one and five because currently those are held by the Chicago Bears. And uh, my most recent mock draft came out on on Tuesday. At number one, I'm picking Caleb Williams. Justin Fields hasn't been back on the field yet, so we don't know where he is. He wasn't the the quarterback of the current regime, GM and head coach. And unlike Kyler Murray, who we saw get the field get on the field finally in Week Ten, and he looked like Kyler Murray. We don't know about Justin, so I'm going to go at number one. I'm picking Caleb Williams, and then at number five, they get Montez Sweat in the trade. They sign him to a long term deal. I'm getting Dallas Turner, Will Anderson's guy, and getting two booking edge rushers to get after it. So what are you thinking if you're Chicago with one and five? And is there any situation, I'll ask you again, where you're answering the phone if you're at one? No, it, it, it all depends on uh, Justin Fields. Supposedly he may be playing this weekend. So, um, But if not, you can't pass on Caleb Williams, in my opinion. Uh, as this points you made, new not Justin Fields was not their pick, the head coach or the GM. So Caleb Williams. And then I don't think there would be another receiver because I can't imagine Marvin Harrison Jr. If Marvin Harrison Jr. fell to five, that's a no brainer, but I don't see that happening. So, um, but you do have to get pass rush. And that's one thing where they struggled. Yannick Ngakwe uh, is only a one year deal. So to get, Montez Sweat locked up, and to get another pass rusher off the edge, uh, to have two really good pass rushers would definitely help this football team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Are you taking Dallas Turner at five if you're Chicago, or are you taking Joe Alt and or Olaf Hashino if they're available? I, I think the pass rushers are harder to find. I would yeah. take pass rusher. And they have Braxton Jones, who they seem to like, who they drafted a few years ago. They drafted Darnell Wright, uh, who they seem to like. is having a pretty good season. Um, I think I gave him a C and when I wrote up the uh, story in CBS Sports for his first half grade, Darnell. And, boy, Bears fans were not happy about that. So I'm going to retroactively give him an A-plus just to keep them happy. Let me ask you this, because in the mock draft that was published, I mentioned uh, the clip 
of you when we we had you go through the list of quarterbacks that you would take ahead of Caleb, and you had to go all the way back to Andrew Luck. And I bet you that got a lot of great responses. Yeah, people are people are struggling with that one. The things that people love to be outraged about is something else. But I whatever, I get it. Uh, people need to be angry about stuff. They can they can focus their energy at you because in sixty two days I'm going to get that energy from you. So I, it's all it all comes full circle. But tell me what you think of this theory. So let's say that Chicago has the first pick, and let's say they take Drake May or they're considering Drake May. Is this crazy talk, or is there any consideration to the idea that hey, twenty seventeen. We took Mitchell Trubisky out of UNC. We passed on Patrick Mahomes. There were some questions about Patrick Mahomes' ability to throw on time, and could he play in an NFL offense? Are we at all concerned about making that same mistake and having to answer PR-wise, fan-wise, to a bunch of angry folks if we take the wrong guy? Is that any? Is that a conversation you have? No, you don't care what. Uh, and not no disrespect. You're doing what's best, for, and you're relying on your people and everybody that helps you make that decision, not what the okay. fans think. So. And the, the, don't forget the uh, Patrick Mahomes wasn't, you know, the Patrick Mahomes we see now. There were some inconsistencies in his play coming out of Texas Tech. Right. Uh, but the issue with Trubisky is he had one year as a one-year wonder, you know, um, because if your guy Leonard Riley or Riley Leonard, whatever, Riley Leonard, yeah. yeah, the kid from Duke comes out, he to me would be a, a Mitch Trubisky right now. Yeah. And he's not going to be a top five pick. No. Okay. So let me tell you let me run a couple other things by you. So I, I talk to teams that think gonna has a chance to be the first quarterback taken because there's some concerns about Caleb Williams' dad being I've got LeVar Ball is what I've gotten before in terms of the how interested is interested he is in his son's career. And you can make of that what you will. I've had teams that tell me that they're not concerned at all about Caleb's dad. And I've had teams say that. Drake May's 2022 tape is just as important as 2023 tape because he's in a new offense. He's working with new playmakers, yada, yada, yada. So it runs the gamut in terms of the where people are on these, this quarterback race. I think you're where I'm at. I love Caleb, and I wouldn't overthink it. But how much consideration goes into all the stuff around the player that could affect his draft stock? That's everything you're doing in the pre-draft process. And uh, – those are the decisions that you have to make. You know what they are on the field. So, but it's everything else that's coming with him. You know, one of the greatest, or I'd say greatest the question to ask these kids, we always ask, well, who's coming with you? Hmm. So, um, you know, well, my mom and dad are going to live with me in wherever I live in the city, or I'm bringing my girlfriend, or, you know, I'm bringing my uh, dudes with me from high school. So, right. Uh, you just—it's all. You, you just have to go through that, and then just understand what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. Uh, and maybe you do have a, a a conversation with Caleb, and maybe you do reach out and talk with his dad. So you'll yeah. do everything you can to make sure you have the answers you need to have to make the right decision. Or if you're Tommy DeVito, you're going to live in your parents' house, save yeah. some rent money. It's pretty <laughs> smart. Uh, Debo informs me that as we sit here. Chicago has a 38% chance to have the number one overall pick and a 93% chance to have the top three pick. Uh, the Giants, in terms of getting the number one overall pick, are at 23%. The Patriots at 18%, along with Arizona. And then the Rams are at 1.4%. So, Giants are at two. You're taking a quarterback, whoever the leftover yes. quarterback is. 
Patriots at three are worst case scenario because they can't get a quarterback. Are you mortgaging any parts of the future to try to get into one or two? If you can, if you have that strong a feeling because they need a quarterback, there's no question about that. But we had a disagreement yesterday uh, on Spotlight that if they got stuck, you took the Fashanu, the tackle yeah. from uh, Penn State, and I said, how can you pass on a generational receiver like Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio State? You actually changed my mind in the in the middle of that segment. I agree with you after I give some thought because, as I mentioned, you drafted Justin Jefferson, game changer. Jamar Chase and Cincy, game changer. Uh, Steph Diggs, the other guy he drafted once he went to Buffalo, game changer. So you're not you can find offensive tackles maybe not at the level of Joe Alder or Fashionu, but you're not going to find Martin Harrison Jr. anywhere else except at Marvin Harrison Jr.'s house. <laughs> yep. So all right, Debo. Anything else you want to hit on these this draft order? Perfect. We will have that mock draft tomorrow. All right, there we go. That's it. Oh, are we doing homework for it, or we're we just going in blind? No homework. I'll tell. I'll, I'll, I'll this is a, uh, more like a pop quiz. Yeah, there we go. Pop quiz, hot shot. You know what movie that is from, Rick? No. Is it uh, all the right moves? I think it's Top Gun, but I could be wrong. All right, I'll figure that out. I'll let you know. I'll let you know tomorrow when we do our next show. All right, that's a wrap on episode. Tw- was uh, it nice. Hamilton on Broadway? <laughs> yes, it was Hamilton. That was uh, um, George Washington, I think, said that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks as always to my guy Rick. Thanks to Debo for producing, and thanks to all you guys who watch, listen, and comment. We'll be back tomorrow on Thursday for, as Debo mentioned, a mock draft episode. And Rick, no homework because we're going to do it live on the show with a mock draft generator. So show up ready to go, but don't do any homework. Do not do any homework, Rick. I'll start studying it tonight. There it is. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good one. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.